It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. It's just sad. It's just sad. And I don't like my Friday starting sad, but this one is starting sad, Joe, because it's sad watching the Denver Broncos attempt to play football. It is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We are fired up for a football Friday. Aside from the sadness, Joe, we are ready to go. And I don't know if Russell Wilson is fixable, my friend. Good morning. Mixed emotions today. Mixed emotions. It's tough when you're holding a ticket that says Broncos plus 10 and a half and they lose by 11, but... On the flip side, it's great to be a Philadelphia Phillies fan this morning. Mm. Shout out to all you great fanatics out there. On to Arizona, Carlin. So there's That's a lot going on. Mixed emotions. We'll talk about all of it, but I am very excited to be here. Friday shows are some of our best shows, and we got a lot to get to today, my friend. Yeah, those are fanatics with a PH, by the way. It yeah. is your chance to be a part of Carlin versus Joe Nation, and we need you to be a part of it on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Painful to watch all the way around last night, uh, all the way around, and it just makes me think toward the future with the Denver Broncos. Just quite simply, Joe, if Russell Wilson is fixable. Sean Payton was very much to blame last night. The Denver offense as a whole was very much to blame. Bad football teams each and every week. They find different people to blame. Just as good football teams find different contributors each and every week to win games, bad teams find different people to contribute to the loss. And last night we saw a lot of different people contribute to it, but perhaps none more than Russell Wilson, who, Joe, I just quite simply, I I don't know if he's ever capable of leading a team again. I don't think he wants to play anymore. And I would say that I don't think he wants to play anymore. I'm close to knowing he doesn't want to play for Sean Payton. The body language of Russell Wilson, the attitude, the what you see from him on the sideline, that's not the guy we remember. That's not the guy that made him great. Like this guy now looks broken. He looks absolutely broken. He looks miserable. He looks like he wants to quit. Not hyperbole. Go back a few years ago in Seattle, post-Legion of Boom. I think it was a Monday or a Thursday night game against Minnesota. Don't quote me on this. But it may have been Monday night because there was a big feature and there was a lot of joking around about his pregame routine. Do you remember when he went out and he would take the field and he would simulate like an 80-yard drive that would be done in two minutes? And it would Mm -hmm. be just him. And he's not in pads. He'd have his headset on. And you'd see him doing this. And people thought it was awkward, but he was totally locked in, totally engaged to it. In that game, I remember people were discussing that. Whatever happened early in the game, he may have thrown a pick. Something happened where they went down like 7 nothing early, and the cameras are on him, and he is just walking up and down the sideline, telling everyone, stay calm, we got this. We're going to go right down the field. We're going to even it up. He told everybody that. It was the picture of leadership. 
And then he went on the field and he executed it. He took them right down the field and they scored. It was a beautiful drive. And I remember thinking, that's a leader. Like, that's Russell Wilson at his absolute finest. This is the guy that we should be talking about for MVP. That dude's dead. We don't see that guy anymore. That guy's making mistakes on the field. Fine. Everyone's going to make mistakes in the NFL. It's, it's the NFL. But he comes off the field. His eyes are looking at the ground only to look up at the jumbotron to see the replay of what the mistake looked like. He's not getting along with his coach. You don't see him leading on the sideline. You don't see him trying to fire up his teammates. Carlin, I don't think he wants to play anymore. I think he's had it. He's definitely had it with the Broncos and Sean Payton. Wow. I, I, that's saying an awful lot. It, it really truly is. And I wish that I could fight what you're saying. But I think this has been a pretty gradual process for Russell Wilson. Listen to him after the game. You tell me if this sounds like somebody who's ready to go to war. We, we had a chance, and I think we just got to play better, play cleaner. We've been playing, you know, really good ball on offense for, you know, you know, for the past several weeks. And I think the best thing we can do is just keep believing, play cleaner. Um, I got I to gotta play better, and, and uh, that's, that starts with me. And, you know, I know I'll respond the right way. Yeah, that is all just a flatline, typical, cliche answer to a bad loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Because, Joe, let's be realistic, okay? Any team that holds the Kansas City Chiefs to 19 points should beat them. There, there's no reason for that to not happen. And the Chiefs' defense is much better this year, and we'll get to that in a bit. But it doesn't mean that a Denver offense with Russell Wilson, with the fact that they, over the last two years, have given up three first-round picks, and three second-round picks for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, and they can't win a game where they limit the Chiefs to 19 points? This guy, you know, it, it got me thinking as you're talking about how he doesn't look like he even wants to play anymore. It, it happened toward the end, I think, in Seattle. And then he went to Denver, and he felt like you could see a little bit of a spring in his step before they even played a game, right? He looked like he was fired up. Broncos Nation, let's ride. Let's go. Yeah. I'm not even hearing that anymore. I mean, None of it. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if all of this is fixable. Sometimes we see guys who hate the game as an athlete have grown to hate the game over a couple of years because they've gone through some tough times and they just don't enjoy it as much anymore. And then they go somewhere else and somehow their love of the game gets restored. I don't see that happening here. This guy looks broken in every single way, Joe. And on top of that, his head coach isn't doing anything to help him out. Oh, dear God. And I mean, that's... We we don't live in an era anymore where players respond well to being yelled at by the head coach or to being criticized in the media by the head coach. That whole Belichick-Brady thing, that worked for them. Sure, that's how Brady used to get coached, and that's what he responded to. That type of thing doesn't work anymore. It's why you see a lot of younger head coaches now, because they can relate to the locker room. They're more your peer than they are your authority figure. Guys don't respond well to being yelled at. And I mean, Wilson has not only been yelled at, which was last week uh, when he was coming off the field, you see Sean Payton screaming at him. But on top of that, what was the comment earlier in the year when he said, if we have to wristband it, we're going to wristband it? Mm -hmm. Like that's That's insulting his quarterback's knowledge. That's insulting his quarterback's intelligence, his knowledge of the playbook. And more importantly, it's the insult and it's done publicly. Like what has Sean Payton done since he's arrived in Denver that would make you think he's got a firm grasp of this situation and he's trying to get the 
most out of Russell Wilson. He's yelling at him one week. He's insulting him in the media the next week. You don't have to like him, but you did take the job. You're getting paid to coach him up. So coach him up. I know his numbers are a little bit better this year statistically, but God, when you watch this team play, I mean, Peyton's, look, we'll get into it, but Peyton's mismanagement of the game at the end of the first half cost them a field goal there. That's as sloppy as it gets for a head coach. Like as much as we- You know, if we need to wristband it, we will. There it is. That's the head coach talking about his quarterback. That's public. That's calling your guy out. We're not talking about a rookie. Like, if that was said about Zach Wilson earlier in his career, you're kind of trying to light the fire under the rookie. You're letting him know he's not going about his business the right way. You can't do that to a Super Bowl-winning veteran on the contract he's on. You criticize in private. You compliment in public. Everybody knows that from a leadership perspective. Apparently, outside of Peyton. And, and yeah. that's part of the problem here is that relationship. I don't know if he ever went in wanting to work with Russ, but it's a mess, and it's only mid-October. Yeah, I'm wondering what that conversation was like in in the interview process, in the meeting process. Is Sean Payton telling him I can fix this guy? Because they know that they walked into the ownership situation uh, stuck with him on that contract. And when they bought the team, they thought it was a good thing. They thought it was a good thing that they had Russell Wilson, and it's not. So Payton, I'm sure after year one, when everything went poorly, they're looking at it like, okay, how do we get this right? And that had to be one of the big selling points for him as an offensive coach. But then Payton this offseason rips Nathaniel Hackett apart for his coaching job last season and then does that at the end of the first half last night where he calls a timeout before a punt after taking a sack where clearly the Chiefs were more than willing to let the clock run out on the first half and Sean Payton calls a timeout. Listen to this uh, explanation on it. And that, that's, that's a boneheaded mistake by me. They were calling one as well, and I'm off and down, but that, that, that was stupid. I, I don't know that they were because they let a good seven or eight seconds click off before they called it. And the, the Chiefs I, didn't need to do a whole lot to win that game last night. There was a fourth and short situation <laughs> around midfield in the second half where they just sent out the punting unit. Any other time, Mahomes is going to go for it there. They knew Denver couldn't move the ball. They said, to hell with it. Just punt it. They had yep. no respect, no respect for Denver's offense last night. The way Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes went about that game, the way Mahomes, Mahomes was not good. Mahomes was not good last night. Andy Reid's decision-making was not good. And it didn't even matter. They still won by double digits. They didn't need to. They had zero respect for that Bronco team last night. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on your smart speakers. You can join us via the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Is any of the Broncos' situation, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, any of it fixable at all? 888-SAY-ESPN. As I said, we are presented by our good friends over at Progressive Insurance. Now, in just moments, the Broncos are not the only team reeling from a rough loss on Thursday night. We'll delve into that next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle 
and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. One and one last night. We nailed the under in the Phillies game. We missed by half a point with the Broncos, so we lose .10 units. Overall, as a show, 36 wins, 31 defeats, one draw, up 1.12 units. Two college football plays for this weekend. Number one, Penn State, UMass, under 55 total points. Look ahead spot for Penn State. They got Ohio State on deck. Get in, get the job done, get out. No style points needed against UMass. You have the number two defense in the country in terms of scoring defense, number one in opponent yards per play. Shut down UMass, do your job, stay healthy, get out of there. Under 55 points, Penn State, UMass. Number two, let's go to the MAC. Bowling Green plus four and a half over Buffalo. Bowling Green, very undervalued here. They're coming off a shutout loss. I believe it was 27-0 to Miami, Ohio. So no one's real high on them right now. But if you put the statistical analysis of them next to Buffalo, they're better. And they played a much tougher schedule. They played Michigan, and they upset Georgia Tech outright as a 21-point underdog. Buffalo overrated, in my opinion. Some of their scores don't align with the box scores. Last week, it looked like a blowout. They had two pick sixes. You can't count on that every single week. So we're going to play Bowling Green plus 4.5 over Buffalo and under 55 points, Penn State UMass. Left field on its way. I think we're all clicking on the same cylinder. You know, I think uh, we get that going. You know, we're tough to beat, so we're excited for the series. Adios, bravos. Holy cow. I mean, it is amazing what that home field advantage has become. We've talked about that a lot. 
in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, a couple of things here that, that come to mind right away. Uh, how long are we going to ride in that situation in trying to drive Spencer Strider, who you know has had his issues uh, injury-wise? We're going to keep riding him out there after he starts getting hit. And then, I mean, Castellanos hitting two bombs, Harper just crushing the ball. I, I want to give all the credit in the world to the Phillies. Can we get Brian? Can somebody wake up Brian Snetker a little bit? Just possibly. Just I'm just asking the question because uh, he played a role last night for sure for the Atlanta Braves. I, I think they were broken after Game Three. Yeah, I think they were broken after Game Three. They can't. You got to understand something about the mindset of baseball players and and everything we were dealing with coming into this season. The Braves had an incredible regular season. Look at their run differential. Look at their record. They were by far and away. They had just the best team in baseball. But they got to the postseason, and there was one thing they didn't want to see more than anything else. And that was the team that destroyed them last year in the playoffs. The team that broke their season last year. Because last year, they had a tremendous regular season, and it was the Phillies who brought down the curtain. There's a mental aspect there. You can be fantastic. I'll use a UFC reference. Kamaru Usman, one of the absolute best right up until he goes against Leon Edwards. And then suddenly Usman's doubting himself a little bit because Edwards has got him not once, but twice. That'll happen, okay? We can analyze it on the spreadsheet, but ultimately there's a mental element to this. And Atlanta went into that series and they should have been the underdogs because they knew what they were up against and they knew what had happened last year. Atlanta feared no one during the regular season. That changed in the playoffs. They lose game one. They're obviously on tilt. Game two, it takes a pretty big comeback, a pretty big effort just to get by Philadelphia. Then you have the whole situation in the clubhouse with the comments that set off Harper, who ends up having a monster game. After that, when Travis Darno started talking about the sanctity of the clubhouse, you knew those dudes were broken. You knew they were done. Because the thing is, it had nothing to do with sanctity of the clubhouse. Those comments happened on a Monday night. Darno said nothing. You had all day Tuesday to travel. Darno said nothing. You had all Wednesday to discuss it. Darno yeah. said nothing. Then Harper went nuclear Wednesday night, and suddenly Darno's upset at the reporter for letting that out. They knew what they were up against. They knew that Philadelphia was going to get them. And after that, they were broken. Last night, there was nothing Snicker was going to be able to do. His team was overwhelmed by the crowd, overwhelmed by the opponent, and the result showed that. And, and listen, I, I think I said Harper earlier. I meant Turner on the home run, uh, besides Castellanos's too. Uh, the point is, like, the, there are just different things that have happened with the Phillies this year that kind of blow you away the way they've transpired i mean look at turner for instance okay he was awful a lot of the year that crowd goes to a standing ovation for him when he's struggling as opposed to just ripping him to shreds he snaps out of it then he gets into the postseason he's in an over and then the next thing you know he's hitting a, a bomb in a huge spot there are different aspects of the phillies that it's i don't know how to describe it other than a town and a team coming together as a complete unit unlike anything i've ever kind of seen before that they've lifted each other up a little bit and look you may be right they they i saw your tweet yesterday afternoon after the show about them being completely on tilt and i i think that's very fair but you've got three teams now who won a hundred games during the regular season who are out between the Orioles, between the Dodgers, between the Braves. And now you've got teams in there that have won 84 games, like the Diamondbacks, 
Texas 190, uh, you know, Houston 190, for Pete's sake, and the Phillies 190. Those are your four teams left. I mean, I, I don't – I'm never going to complain about underdogs winning because I love to see it. And I, I won't complain about the division series being five games. I guess what I would say is great teams, go figure it out. Because too many times I have seen these general managers assemble teams that have been put together to go win 100 games during the season, but they're poorly constructed for the postseason. Exactly. Poorly exactly. constructed. That's, That's exactly the situation. Yeah. All this Moneyball movement did was teach everybody how to gain an edge on a spreadsheet over the course of 162 games. Yep. Over the large sample size. And we talk about this all the time now. Small sample sizes, large sample sizes. 162 is a large sample size. How do we optimize for 162? Fantastic. The Dodgers are a team that can do that. The Giants are trying to do that, right? That's what so the Rays, the Rays are a perfect example of that. But when you get to the postseason, it's about optimizing mindset, okay? The Phillies are all about balls. They have balls. They show up in the regular season. They don't care what their record is. They don't care who the opponent is. They are feeding off energy, leadership, and emotion. They're picking each other up when they're down. They never believe they're out. It's mindset. It's not a surprise that Bruce Bochy has the Rangers where he's got the Rangers because Bochy is a manager who has his finger on the pulse. He's not an analytics guy. He's a managed by his gut guy, and that has gotten him three World Series. All right, it's why the Giants wanted to move on from him. Look at the Giants now. You can't name a player on their team, but they fit the spreadsheet that Farhan Zaidi wants to put together as they've recently dismissed manager Gabe Kapler. The playoffs are all about mindset. Trey Turner, the way the fans and the radio guys and everyone in Philly rallied around him, he's got the positive mindset now. It sounds stupid. It sounds foolish. It might sound simplistic, but it's all about where your head's at this time of year. The teams whose heads are where they need to be at. The Dodgers are overthinking everything. They're down 0-2. They packed it in, right? Minnesota with that 18-game losing streak for years, they couldn't win because it was in their heads. Who are the teams that have the leadership? Who are the teams that mentally are ready to survive in the harshest of elements? Those are the teams that are going to rise above this time of year. Nick Castellanos uh, with the two home runs last night. Here he is uh, with Matt Weiner on TBS after the game. Nick, nobody in Major League history has hit two home runs on back-to-back postseason games, but you just did, and you guys are headed to the NLCS. Where's the question in that? There's no question. It's just, it's a no BS team in so many ways. It's a no BS team. They, they, like, have you ever gotten a, a, just any sort of sense whatsoever that the Phillies are a team that buys into their own clippings or anything like that? No, none of that. They, they know it's about something bigger. They put team above I. They, they, they get what this is about. They get that this is the time of year where you have to lock in. That if a guy slips up, you rally behind him. Alec Bohm last night had an awful night. Couple strikeouts, then he hits into the double play. He's slamming the helmet. He's slamming that helmet out of frustration because all he wants to do is help the team. 
wasn't an individual thing. He knows he needs to step up. He had a rough night. That's okay. Kyle Schwarber's had a rough postseason. It's okay. They're going to be there when it matters most. You know, for those who are upset about the way the playoffs have played out this year, you have one of two options. If you really want to reward the 162-game champion, move to what the English Premier League does. All right? No playoffs whatsoever. You play out a regular season. Everyone plays the same amount of games. Whoever has the most points wins. Congratulations. The team built to navigate that schedule the best is going to win you're going to crown your champion but if you want to have a playoff structure you better be ready for anything that's what america does great we do the playoffs we want the story of the underdog that comes out of nowhere i don't need the 162 game champion to also dominate every single year in the playoffs that's why we have the playoffs that's what make the playoffs special that's why we love march madness that's why we love the postseason because anything can happen with some of these teams wow listen to this and frederica uh, one of our producers in the show uh, on the TV side just sent this over from Hembo. The teams with the best record lost their series 54% of the time since the postseason started. Wow. Yeah. I mean, coin flip, man. Yep. Coin flip. I'm glad you're optimized to win on a Tuesday in Cincinnati in late June. Good. You've got the edge there. <laughs> but you're going to go up against a good team in October and you're going to face that crowd noise. Are you built to handle that? Are you built to handle that? And the reality for the Braves is they were not. They went up against the buzzsaw. You know, if they had gotten the draw where they went up against Arizona, maybe. But the Diamondbacks are that hot team, too. Carla versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Russell Wilson is a huge problem in Denver. But this season has also been rocky because of somebody else. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Shotgun snap. Outlaw caught near side. Touchdown! 
down. Kansas City, Kadarius Tony on the quick out, and the Chiefs finally break down the door. Kansas City's got the football at the 25-yard line of Denver. Trent McDuffie puts the hit, and Willie Gay Jr. recovers the fumble. Our defense was incredible tonight, uh, as they have been. And then um, offensively, we, we got to take care of business in the red zone. And the beat rolls on for the Kansas City Chiefs, but for the Denver Broncos, not so much. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. It's like hitting a brick wall when they started the season. We welcome in Chase Daniel, former NFL quarterback, chasing it podcast for the 33rd team. He knows Sean Payton as well as anybody, played for him for several years. Chase, we appreciate it. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh here on ESPN Radio. Let's just start here. What are you seeing right now? when it comes to the relationship between Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, obviously things aren't going as planned, right? Like, like no one wanted to be 1-5 and, 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 and lose the way they, they have. I mean, honestly, you look at the, the first two games of the year, they should have won those games, right? So you should be in a little bit better position. Uh, I think the relationship is fine. I think Russell's fully bought in. I think that was the main thing Sean wanted to change when he went in there was he – he realized that Russell had a little bit too much say in what was going on, right? It's well talked about, well documented what he said. And, um, you know, he even said it last night, like, you got to be able to throw the ball in this league to win the game. I don't know if that was a shot at Russell. I, I don't think so. But it just doesn't seem like they're clicking on all cylinders. Now, they ran into a brick wall last night with the Kansas City Chiefs defense, who, in my opinion, is a top three defense, right? We've broken them down quite a bit. Spags has got those guys rolling. Uh, so it was not an easy test, especially on a short week. But you just look at Russell and his progression, and, and honestly, I thought he has played a lot better these first four or five games of this year than he has definitely last year. So that 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 is fine. I just think it's their defense, in, in my opinion, the Broncos' defense, that they're struggling, right? They're letting up a lot of points. No one in their right mind, including myself, thought they were going to be as bad as they were on defense because they, like, the last two or three years, have had a top top five to ten defense so I think it's just all a perfect storm right there in Denver and they better write the ship pretty soon do you think it's a situation where if we're talking about the Broncos over the next three to five years Russ and Peyton can get on the same page and can work together and have success over that stretch or given what Denver's record is now and the quarterback class that's coming out would there be a quarterback that might be a better fit for this system there's no way that I, I mean I just can't imagine there's any way that that you know Russ and Sean are together five years I just don't I just don't know if that's the case I'm not saying that Sean doesn't love Russ but what I'm saying is like you look at like you just said like you look at this upcoming quarterback class you look at other free agents I mean look it's been talked about and I know you guys are going to ask me like hey does does Sean Payton need a different style passer than Russell Wilson my answer is no he's able to go out there and compete and to be able to make plays within the pocket now now historically Russ has been way better making plays happen. But I think what I've seen, and I know what I've seen, is that Russ is actually going through progressions a lot faster than he has in his career. There's just not a lot of guys open. You just don't have the playmakers out there because it, to, to make those plays and to get separation. So I think it starts with Russ, obviously, but that offensive line, the skill positions, the running backs, tight ends, receivers, everyone has to step their game up. Russ gets a little bit too much blame and look that's the position of quarterback right in the national football league and what i've always told people is like hey as a quarterback you get way too much credit when things go right and you get way way too much blame when things go wrong because you need 10 other players on the same page as you 
Chase Daniel, of course, former NFL quarterback. He has the Chase It podcast for the 33rd team, Mike Tannenbaum's venture. It is outstanding if you haven't checked it out. Uh, Chase, let's talk about for a second, though, Sean Payton's role here. With all of that being the case, it's then on the guy who is drawing things up to figure out how to maximize what he does have at this point. So how does Sean Payton go about that? Does he do enough of that here? Well, listen, that's that's a great point and a great uh, statement by you. But I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Sean is he's burning the midnight oil. Listen, he's he's always done that in the seven years, six years I played for him. He's always been one to finally figure out. Look, we started um, in 2012. We came off that magical 2011 season where we ended up losing uh, at San Francisco in the divisional round, the Alex Smith quarterback keeper game uh, around the edge. That was a heartbreaking loss. We had one of our best teams. We go to 2012. We start 0-4. 0-4. Everything's like like skies falling. Armageddon's coming. They're calling for Sean Payton's job, which he had just like won a Super Bowl four years uh, earlier. Uh, and then we claw our way back to to six and six, right? And I'm not saying the Broncos can do that, but I'm saying it's in Sean Payton's DNA to get it fixed and to get it fixed fast. Now, we ended up, didn't end up making the playoffs that year just because we didn't have a good enough squad. But I don't think you're going to see some like, hey, tank job because we need to go get Caleb Williams or Drake May. It's not like that. Sean has too much pride. And I think it's honestly you know reinvigorated him this time off but also they're running out of time quickly, right? Like, like they don't have many more games to get it back on track. Now what they do, I don't know, but I do know they're going to be burning the midnight oil to get it fixed. Chase, you mentioned something earlier in the interview when you were talking about the Chiefs. You think they're a top three defense. Who, who's up there with them? I, I found that fascinating because Carlin's been talking about it as well, that they're getting the job done on the defensive side of the ball this year, but no one's talking about it enough. Who are the top three in your opinion? Well, it, it, listen, I think it's San Fran for me. Like, they're they're playing at a different level right now. And, and I think, like, you've got to put Chiefs up there, two or three, and then the other two, right? Like, the Jets, obviously, you know, stuff's happening, uh, you know, outside of their control on offense with the Aaron Rodgers thing. And um, you, you look at different teams like that. But I think those are uh, about the top three defenses because, you know, everyone talks about KC, and, and rightfully so, Patrick Mahomes this and Patrick Mahomes that. Right, people don't understand. They had a bunch of rookies playing last year on that defense in KC, and so they're going into their second year. They drafted really well. They went out in free agency um, and got Drew Tranquil and have have beefed up that that D line once Chris, Chris Jones has come back. Nick Bolton is top four or five interior linebacker in my opinion, off ball linebackers. Shout out Missouri. Um, but <laughs> I just think right now the way they're doing it and the and how they're doing it, it's, it's Spags. Spags is special has always been heating quarterbacks up right and and it was always a pain in the ass to go out there and to actually game plan against them when I was in that division because they bring double-edged pressure so they're bringing the nickel and the will or the safety and the nickel or two to a side it's just a lot of different stuff you have to prepare for that might take your mind as a quarterback off actually reading the play if that makes sense so it makes life difficult on an offensive coordinator and they're not just playing man a lot of these times that they're bringing these double-edged pressures a lot of teams just play man and it's cover zero and that's great and if you one guy wins his job as a receiver it's a touchdown yeah it's not like that we call it a palms look it's like it looks like an umbrella like a palm tree it's four across 
too deep and they they have they're reading route concepts you saw it from brian flores in miami when he did all that cover zero well it's different and spags is doing it even more this year making life hell on uh, offensive coordinators all right chase last one and this is just more of a personal one you were a 13-year quarterback in this league and everybody's a competitor everybody wants their opportunities you were a backup you made a lot of money being a backup is, in fact, the backup quarterback on an NFL team the greatest possible job you can have? I mean, from the outside perspective, hell yeah, because you're not getting hit, you're making money, <laughs> your brain's safe, you know you're having fun, right? Yeah. And, I mean, and, and that absolutely is, but you are you hit it right on. every, And that, that's why I said I'm going to play as long as I can until I don't have the fire in my heart anymore to become a starter. I'm not saying that's why I'm not playing. There's other things that happen. Um, but that's what I think really just kept my edge, right? Like, and every backup will say, like, hey, like, if you're not itching to get into the game every single game, and the fans not might like you because, you, you know, they don't want to get started to get hurt, but it's a different mentality, man. Like, I've always said there's two things that make a really good backup. One, you got to play freaking well when you get in, right? Like, there's no, no, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You have to perform to be able to play in this league. But two, you have to be um, be able to be uh, very creative in how you handle the starter, right? Because it's your job to get the starter ready no matter what happens. I've had – I've backed up seven different quarterbacks, and all seven of them have been completely different in how they go about a week. So I've changed my schedule to fit there. So everything you can to do. And I think the best backup in the quarterback, best backup quarterbacks in the league, they really do that. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, 40 plus million, I'd find a way without the fire, but that's just me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Chase, appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Thanks, awesome guys. stuff. Chase Daniel, former NFL quarterback, the Chasing It podcast for the 33rd team. The Broncos are definitely not in first place, but uh, somebody has to be, and it's us. It's next. The ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. versus Joe on ESPN Radio.
Doug Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Joe Fortenbaugh, we are of the belief that he tanked his appearance with us. I don't know if he wants yes. a better draft pick next year, but that he gave us wrong information on purpose, and then he goes on his show and he picks the opposite. What an interesting way to start. Not a how you doing, not nope. a thanks for taking time out of your day to join our nope. show and nope. post our nope. ratings nope. because you know you're going to win this quarter hour. You should have led this, Evan, by saying Joe Fortenbaugh, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, the team that is leading the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge because we are that sad. We are that sharp. Take that canty. How you feel? I feel like you sandbagged us. Because we are that fat and sassy and spoiled. (laughs) You're damn right. You're damn right. And I love the fact that you go in there espousing teamwork. That's what I love. That's what it's all about. It's about culture. We have a great culture on this show, and I'll be damned if anything gets in the way of it. That's an excellent, excellent point. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. And yeah, sorry. Listen, there's been a lot of success here early on this program when it comes to picking games because we have come together on it. And when I say that we have come together, most of the time I have sided with Joe and his picks because he knows <laughs> what the hell he's doing. And usually I'm a maloik. But eh, here and there, I will come through with a winner. And so let us just get right to it this week. This is a challenge. Challenge. This is ESPN Radio's Pick'em Challenge. Now, I don't think I need to remind you, but here are the current standings nonetheless. In first place at 12 and 3, all alone, Carlin versus Joe, 12 and 3. Make him say, uh. Yeah, through five weeks. I believe DJ Khaled says it, we the best. (laughs) That's all there is to it. Game night, a game back at 11 and 4. Excellent work being done by Q Myers and company. Freddie and Harry at 9 and 6. Ooh, unsportsmanlike. A full five games back of first place. Maybe they'll get a, maybe, maybe they can compete for a wild card. <laughs> seven and eight, along with Amber and Ian, seven and eight. And then Greeny, once again, bringing up the rear at five and ten. Greeny, shockingly, seven back, and we've only made 15 total picks. That's hard, that's hard to do, that is to be hard seven to back through 15. I'll tell you, that is, that is a rough start to your season. And don't tell me there's 162 to go because there ain't. No, 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 no. Let's get to it. Vikings at Bears. Vikings, quick, two and a half nugget. I got to give a quick nugget. Yeah. We, we, now that we've had our fun and made fun of everyone, now we got to get back to business here. We got focus. Yeah. Do I have the best of you right now? Oh, you've got the best of me. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Yeah, no, this is not. We are the Phillies of this. We are All not right. focused on what has happened so far. We'll let you know, but then we move on. That's what we're doing. Love it. Vikings, two and a half point favorites in Chicago. Uh, let's have your feelings on this game first. Okay. I have made no bets on this game so far. I do not know if I will be making a bet on this game. So you know right away I don't have a very strong feel. Here's what I would say. Minnesota, we're getting a price at minus two and a half right now. This has moved up to three. That is not public money moving Minnesota from two and a half to three. The mm. key number of three, as we talked about so much on this show. I would tend to look at this and say, I have no feel. Vikings minus two and a half would be my play because the market is now saying three, and we are getting a very valuable half point edge here. Hmm. Interesting. The Bears have played exceptionally well the last couple of weeks. I do wonder if that's going to continue. But no Justin Jefferson. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with you here. I'm gonna trust your instincts. We're gonna go with the Vikings minus two and a half here. Just ten seconds. How much do you rely on the sharp money when you are making your selections? I like to know. I mean, the thing yeah. is, you see that they've bet it, but you're not getting the price they're getting, right? The right. sharp money is at two and a half. It's not at three. So I would not bet three now based on the sharp money at two and a half, but the contest is two and a half. So mm-hmm. now that I have that knowledge, that's why I'm deploying it here because I have no other feel on this game. Lions at Buccaneers. Lions three-point favorites, uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Tampa. I, uh, I, I'm i not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer believer, and I think the Lions have done a good enough job to convince us that now they're going to start taking things seriously. Last week, as we talked about, was big for me, even though it was Carolina, because it was a take-care-of-business situation, and they did it a little shorthanded. Buccaneers off the bye here. So they've had two weeks to get ready. They've looked Mm. very good against inferior competition. They stepped up in class once at home on a Monday night against Philly. Philly came in and beat them up pretty good. So what do we make of the Bucs? Game did open three. Lion Money came in to move it up to three and a half. Another game where I haven't made a bet so far. I could find myself on either side here if you have a good lean on this. I don't have a strong take on this game. And I hate to put it that way, but I don't. I, if I had to lean, I would lean Lions, but All that right. half point is kind of taunting me a bit. I can go with the Lions as well. I can get behind that. They've been playing a physical brand of football. They've been pushing people around a little bit. You know, you just played Carolina. You're coming down to Tampa. It's the middle of October. I don't know if it's going to be all that humid down there. I can get behind the Lions in this spot. I don't love Tampa. I could go either way. If you told me you like Tampa, I'm on it. You like the Lions, I'm on it. Let's go Lions minus three and a half because we both think that they're the better team. Seahawks and Bengals. Bengals, two and a half point favorites at home for Seattle. Go. Hate the fact that we're not getting the full three here. Seattle, two weeks to get ready. Seattle, number six in scoring offense. Seattle has gone on the road and notched a big win. That was at Detroit in week two. The Lions had 10, week, 10 days to get ready for that game. I find myself leaning to the Seahawks here. I think it was a nice effort from the Bengals last week at Arizona, but I'm not ready to buy into them just yet. Uh, I get it. I, I do wonder if Burrow against the Seattle defense, I think he could have a day, but I'm, I'm still leaning more toward... Seattle at this point because I'm I'm still not a big Cincinnati believer. I haven't seen enough yet. Plus, I hate what lies ahead in their schedule. So we'll go Seahawks plus two and a half. Okay. We'll go there. Lions minus three and a half. Vikings minus two and a half. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 